Well, thanks for choosing to be a part of the gathering, and more importantly, it's a delight for me to be a part of this gathering on this day when we reflect on the, the goodness of God, but we also look forward to where the Lord wants to lead this congregation. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 6, please. Step by step, God's been faithful to Bethany. Sometimes huge steps for the church, huge steps for the church, but small steps for God as he has demonstrated his faithfulness over the years. So our reflection from Scripture this morning, kind of, there's a miracle that Jesus did. In fact, this miracle is actually recorded in all four Gospels. So I think the Holy Spirit was really intent on us understanding the truth of this miracle and I see some parallels from this miracle to the journey that God has had Bethany on for these 75 years. Beginning in verse 1, the Bible says sometime after this Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was near, and when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now he asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Isn't it cool to know that God has already had in mind what he was going to do with Bethany and what he's going to continue to do with Bethany? Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here is a boy with five small barley loaves, two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down, there's plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, filled twelve baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves by those who had eaten. This miracle, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, is no doubt one of the most familiar miracles of Jesus. And as I mentioned, other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's the only miracle that's recorded in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as you can quickly tell from this miracle, it's, it's a miracle that represents a whole lot more than just Jesus feeding a physical crowd. It speaks an awful lot about how Jesus spiritually feeds the world. How Jesus spiritually tends to the world through his disciples, both then and now. This miracle is a giant step for the disciples, just a small step for Jesus. Kind of like the journey of Bethany. Step by step by step. Sometimes huge steps for Bethany small steps from Jesus. From this miracle, I want to share three thoughts that I hope will sort of resonate in our heart and minds as we not only look at the past and thank God for his faithfulness, but allow it to be motivational as we look forward to what God has for the future. 
the first truth that just jumps out for me at this scripture is, is this. Don't ever let the size of an opportunity intimidate you. Don't ever let the size of an opportunity intimidate you. Did you notice that twice John used the word great to describe the crowd? And we know there were 5,000 men there, but with women and children, there was probably about 10 to 12,000 people there. That's a pretty big group of people to feed. And yet, that represents sort of the church of Jesus Christ. Over and over and over again, the church of Jesus Christ has, has always had a large opportunity in front of them. I think of the very first church recorded in the book of Acts. Very first church, there were 120 disciples, and on that day that Christ called them to gather in the upper room, they were commissioned to go and minister to a world of 2 million people. 250, 1 million, 2 million people. That's one believer for every 2 million people. They had no modern means. They had no Facebook, Instagram. They had no internet. And yet they weren't intimidated by the size of the opportunity that was in front of them. And I think whether it was alone that Sister Annabelle got from a Presbyterian businessman to purchase a house on Moser Street, or whether it was a move to Airport and Beecher, and on that property, five different building programs, or to go from Beecher to 52 acres out here over and over and over again. This church has never let the size of opportunities intimidate them. When leadership felt like the children in this community needed, needed to, to hear the gospel and experience uh, kingdom teaching, they, they went out and got buses and they had an arrangement with Lenawee County and Lenawee County provided bus transportation. And as that grew, they were able to acquire buses of their own or outreaches or, or, or the last couple of years when this church has invested thousands in the community to make Good Friday go from good to great. I am thankful today that Bethany has never let the size of an opportunity intimidate them. You say, well, you know, pastor, that sounds great and, and that's, that's good for a church, but what, what about my life? How does this miracle flesh out in my life? Well, maybe you're here this morning and you find yourself in a difficult marriage with a lot of overwhelming and unresolvable issues. Don't you dare let the size of an opportunity intimidate you because we serve a really big God who's God all by himself. And in our weaknesses, strength is made perfect. Maybe you have children that are living really destructive patterns of life and, and your attempts to reach out to them keep driving them away. Jesus said in Matthew 19, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. That's what this church represents. You represent the impossibility of, of situations becoming possible because you recognize God is possible. You see, in life and in a church, Satan will always want you to focus on the size of a task so that you'll get intimidated and discouraged. But Jesus always wants you to focus on the size of the opportunity and remember with him all things are possible. Don't let the size. Bethany is a... Is a beautiful, beautiful story of not letting opportunities intimidate them from moving forward in the work of the Lord. 
There's a second truth here in this miracle that I think is worth our consideration. That's this. Don't ever get discouraged by how little you have. Don't get discouraged by how little you have. Now, not only twice was the crowd described as great, but did you catch this, that twice the resources were described as being small? Five small loaves, two small fish. No wonder Andrew spoke up and said, how far will this go among so many? You know, when it comes to the work of God, Satan's tactic is to always maximize the difficulty that you're facing and then to accentuate how little you have. But in every church, in every, in every life of a believer, the opportunities will always be greater than the resources you have. It's always be. Because that's what Satan likes to do. He likes, you, he likes to mock how little you have to get you discouraged, to hope you, that you will give up or somehow forget that he's God. But this morning, can I just remind you, as you look at 75 years of God's faithfulness in the life of a church, God is also faithful in the life of individuals. He's not just the God of the church. He's not just a sovereign, powerful God all by himself for his church. He's that way in our individual lives. That's why when you feel you have very little strength in your life, the Bible says that God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. When you go through life and feel like you have very little peace in your life, the Bible says in Psalm 29, 11, that the Lord strengthens his people with peace. When you walk through life and feel like you have very little hope, no hope left, Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you up. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Come on church, we serve a God who's God all by himself. And it's not just in the life of a church that he's God. He's God in your individual life. Don't be discouraged by how little you have. You serve a God that's bigger than your natural resources, but you need the Word of God to remind you of that. Because at times, when you begin to focus on what you don't have or what you've lost, if you're not careful, you'll have a tendency to want to listen to yourself rather than the truth of God's Word. And have you ever discovered that yourself lies to you? <laughs> you know, yourself doesn't always tell you the truth. Part of my testimony that is so impacted by Bethany is, yeah, when I was nine years old, my dad, the former pastor of this church, died of a massive heart attack. I was nine, my brother was 15, my sister was 18. But I never really grew up feeling the negative impact of being raised by a single mom. I never grew up feeling somehow dysfunctional or unfortunate because I was being raised by a single mom because quite frankly, I was a part of this great church where I had a lot of spiritual dads. I did have Royal Ranger commanders who helped me build my Pinewood Derby car, Jim Martin. I did have Sunday school teachers who would take me to Detroit Tiger baseball games. I did have youth sponsors that would accompany me on father-son campouts. I know this sounds weird, but growing up, I kind of felt sorry for kids who only had one dad because I had all these spiritual dads. 
In fact, it was pretty cool that in that one Pinewood Derby championship, my car beat Johnny Martin's car, and it was his dad that built our cars. <laughs> there is a God. <laughs> so I never really, I never really felt that impact till I was a freshman in college. You see, a part of this church, I, I grew up in this church where where week after week after week, the spiritual elders of this church would pray prayers like this for me. Oh God, I pray for Dougie Clay. I know the plans that you have for him, Prince. Oh God, I pray. Well, somewhere along the line, I started believing that. And so I went off to Bible school to prepare myself to go into full-time Christian service. And that's when I got hit one time with this thought, hey God, what's up with this? This isn't fair. I started meeting other preachers' kids, and in fact, on our hall at Welch Hall my freshman year, I would meet, I would meet uh, college students whose dads were in the ministry. In fact, that one young man was just a couple doors down from us. His dad was a, a pastor in Carlinville, Illinois, and so on weekends he would go home, and he'd come back, and we'd stay up late Sunday night talking church stuff. He'd say, hey, my dad said this is how we ought to do things. My dad said it. And so for one of the first times in my life, I had felt like I had been cheated by God. I thought, Lord, I would like a dad that would walk out spiritual principles. for. I'd like a dad that would mentor me. I'd like a dad. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but when you start, when you start only interpreting the realities of your life through your own understanding, you'll talk yourself into something that's not real healthy. I started feeling like, man, I've been cheated by God. This doesn't make sense. And I talked myself into that kind of a mindset that I was ready to quit school, go home, and take care of mom. I thought, I'll get a job at Merrillatz, and uh, I'll just come home and take care of mom because, God, you're unfair. Why would you take dad from me at age nine? This doesn't make sense. I remember calling home one Wednesday night, really convinced that God was unfair. This isn't right. I'm ready to walk out on this call that God has for my life. And I remember calling my mom. So, Mom, can you connect the dots for me? This doesn't make sense. Why would God do something so unjust to our family? And like only a cool, godly pastor's wife, Mom, could do, my mom said, Now, honey, I can't answer all your whys. That was a first for itself because generally she could answer all my whys. <laughs> Even as recent as last night. And... Um, we went on this little trip. My sister, we went on this trip. We went to Walmart, went to Kohl's to do this run. She said, oh, I forgot my wallet. My sister says, no problem. Doug's got money. And so I paid for her little buying new towels at Kohl's and going to Walmart and buying all this. Some things haven't changed in 55 years. So I remember calling, Mom, Mom, this doesn't matter. Why? Why would God do? Honey, I can't answer your whys, but I can promise you this. And she goes on and says, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you, which is classic Audrey Clay. God, she says, and she always holds out God real long. You know, I, I, God, you know, and I don't know, I, but God, she said, uh, you are faithful, and you promised you'd be a father to the fatherless. And I claim that promise for my son, Doug, in Jesus' name. And, um, just before, just before, in fact, in that prayer, she said, Lord, you said in your word, 
you know, now we grew up with my mom using that phrase all the time. You know, Lord, you said anywhere. Can I just tell you something? Hey, I'm 55. I'm the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, but I've got to confess something to you, Bethany. Not everything my mom said was in the book was really in the book, okay? <laughs> I think it was her coping skills as being a single mom, you know. Honey, you can't wear shorts on Sunday. Really? Yeah, it's in the book. Wow, okay. She does it today as a general superintendent. She'll quote something. Honey, you shouldn't be doing this as the general. Okay, Mom, yeah, it's in the Word. It's in the Word. <laughs> you know, but this time she was spot on. And she said, you promised in your Word to be a father to the fatherless. Two days later, I was, I was ready to quit school. I'd, I'd really work myself. You see, one of the reasons why you don't want to always just process things in life through your own lenses is because you'll talk yourself into things that aren't true. But if you'll process the reality of your situations through the truth of Scripture, then you understand things like His grace is sufficient for you and your weakness, His strength is made perfect. You understand things like God hasn't given to you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. You understand that. So I was ready to quit school, go home, and take care of Mom. One chapel service... There was a speaker, and he, he called all the students forward. When all the kids were coming forward singing, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I didn't. I just knelt around in my chapel seat, and I was, <laughs> you know, I just was, God, this doesn't make sense. Why would you take Dad at such an early age? And pretty soon I felt the strength and the warmth of this large hand placed on my back. And I knew it was one of the elders of our school because when he was praying for me, he was pushing on my back in cadence with the prayer. Hey, I'd experience that every Sunday night at this altar right here, you know. Uh, I mean, I, the deacons would just kind of, you know, I was the only kid never checked at Prairie School, a Prairie Elementary School for scoliosis because I was aligned every, every Sunday night at the altar by deacons. And uh, I turned around and I looked and there was Coach Arnold. He was the basketball coach, the athletic director of Central Bible College, 6'6", 250 pounds, a hulk of a man. When I turned around and I looked at him, he had a tear coming down his cheek. He said, Duggar, I knew your dad, I know your mom, both of them would be really proud of you. And then Bethany, it, it happened. Put his arm over to my shoulder and he pulled me in really tight to himself and he said, I just want you to know that as long as you're at Central Bible College, I consider you like my own son. And when he said son, I jumped up and hugged him, and he hugged me, and I snotted and cried all down the front of his shirt. <laughs> and 48 hours earlier, the words of a godly mom were echoing in my ear, Lord, you said in your word. And I want to encourage all of us this morning, not just as the church of Bethany, but as Christ's followers, don't be discouraged by how little you have because we serve a God whose resources are infinite. We serve a God who is able to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. We serve a God who orders our steps and directs our steps. And today I lead the fastest growing Pentecostal movement in the world. 
Today, there are more assemblies of God churches worldwide. There are 10 times more assemblies of God churches worldwide than there are McDonald's restaurants. And I think that if it weren't for spiritual dads who helped me build my Pinewood Derby car and Sunday school teachers who take me on father-son campouts, and a godly mom who didn't try to answer everything according to reasoning, but said, Lord, you said in your word, I'm not so sure I'd be fulfilling what God's called me to do. So I encourage you as you look to the future, don't get discouraged by how little you have because we, we serve a pretty awesome God. There's another truth that I see in the scripture that sort of parallels the journey that... Uh, I see Bethany on, and that's this. Don't forget that the Lord's with you, and he's always on your side. Don't forget that the Lord is with you and always on your side. You know, the, spiritual, or the, the formula for failure, whether it's in life or a church, goes something like this. Look at the size of the task, look at how little you have, and leave the Lord out of the picture. But Jesus is always present to take whatever we do have in our hands to meet our needs. Hey, for a few minutes this morning, let's put ourselves in the place of those 12 disciples in that moment that they were called upon. It was their responsibility to take five small loaves and two small fish and kind of distribute it among 12,000 people. Now, I can, I can sort of imagine the disciples come forward, they have these baskets, and Jesus starts breaking five small loaves and 12 baskets and scaling two small fish and these guys are looking down in their basket and their backs are to a crowd of 12,000 people and I got to think they're confused a little bit and I think one of them's probably saying, oh Lord, <laughs> that's our family back here and we have face to save with them. Why don't you go ahead and do the miracle right now before we turn around? Just, just go ahead. Why, why don't you do the miracle right now, and then when we turn around, we won't look really foolish. But I can also sort of imagine Jesus with a grin on his face and either thinking or maybe saying, nah, you know, that's, that's not how I want to cre feed a crowd, and that's not how I want you to feed the world. You see... In the work of the kingdom, sometimes we always want to start out with our baskets full and then have them end up empty. But in God's economy, in God's world, he likes us to start out with our baskets empty and then end up being full. Who would have ever imagined that from the Deerfield Park projects, from two little ladies that had a desire to make sure kids had an adequate representation of the gospel that out of the ministry of this church would come hundreds of ministers would become thousands of missionaries that you've impacted around the world that would have two services that are full that are that are reaching people with the gospel of jesus christ you see don't ever forget both in life and on a church that with the lord all things are possible and he is on your side he may not have you start out with all of your answers and all of your resources but here's the deal he is with you and he's on your side and when he's with you and your baskets are empty 
you have a sense of security because you recognize his presence is there. I think the thing that gave the disciples the courage to turn around, even though their baskets probably weren't full at that point, is they knew that Jesus was with them. This morning, church, can I just encourage you that Jesus has been with this church, and Jesus will be with you. I think at times we comprehend that God is omnipresent. We get it that God is in Africa as well as America, that God can be in Indiana as well as in Ohio and Michigan. But sometimes we just need to remind ourselves that God is like right here, right now, ever-present next to us as close as the mention of his name. My, uh, my five-year-old grandson, Jackson, kind of taught me the value and the, the, the understanding of personal presence. Any, any grandparents in the house? Can I see your hand? Just any grandparents? Yeah. Well, my wife, Gail, and I are enjoying this season. You know, I've quickly, I've quickly discovered that the reason why grandparents and grandkids get along so well, we have the same common enemy, their parents. And... Uh, <laughs> That's true. So Jackson's my oldest grandson, five years old, and I convinced his mom, my oldest daughter, that it was time for Jackson to spend the night at Papa's house. I mean, it was okay, and I could handle this, and it took a lot of, it took a lot of coercing, but I finally convinced her. So this last spring, I, we were going to do first overnighter at Papa's house, and I went over to pick up Jackson, and he had his Spider-Man backpack all filled, and he was all excited and ready to go, and I was walking out. Jackson's mom, my daughter, gave me a three-by five card with all these lists of instructions <laughs> and I kind of went down there and then I got to number three after 6 p.m. make sure that his sippy cup only has two parts water one part apple juice I thought you come to Papa's house it's 100% Dr. Pepper baby I'm not doing parts water, one part out. I thought I raised her better than that, you know? My God. Well, I kind of was like, hey, I got it, you know, so we went home and we got to the house and we had a great time and it got time to put on jammies and get ready to bed and so about that time a southwest Missouri thunderstorm whipped up. I mean, it was loud thunder, crackling lightning and I could tell he was a little uneasy and I said, uh, I said, Jackson, you want to you wanna sleep in Papa's room? He said, yeah, 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 I do. And so I made this little bed just, just on the side, just on the side of my bed, put some pillows down there and blankets, and he laid down, and he was laying there, and boom, a, a loud thunder would just sort of reverberate. He'd pop up. I said, Jackson, you're okay. We're inside. We're safe. You're okay. I'm right here. And he'd lay back down. Boom, a thing of thunder would just, he'd pop up. Now, I said something to him. I, I don't know. Some, one of my babysitters from this church probably told me this, and it got registered. And I don't know if you've ever said something that it just came out, and what I said to Jackson makes no meteorological sense, makes no theological sense, but it just, just came out. I figured one of my babysitters here probably put it in my mind. But about the third time he popped up, I said, Now, Jackson, 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 listen, you have to understand something. Thunder is nothing more than God in heaven just moving his furniture around. I don't know, Linda Brown probably told me that sometime when she was babysitting me, and I got put in my psyche. Well, it worked. It worked. He said, oh, okay, cool, Papa, and he laid back down, and the first thunder that came, he didn't pop up. I thought, oh, this is cool. 
So I'm thinking he's sleeping. So I grab my CPAP machine. I put my mask on. It's got hoses coming out from all over, you know. And, and I roll over, and uh, I'm, I'm just, about, just about ready to, all right, can I call it a night? And boom, a thing of thunder just reverberates. And as a grandparent, you get this sense. I, I, I could just feel a couple of eyes. I could just feel... And when I turned over, he wasn't standing all the way up. He was just sort of, just, just, just above the mattress, just, just right there. And I turned over and I took my mask off before I could say anything. He said, Papa, do you think I could lay with you till God quits moving his furniture up in heaven? <laughs> I said, you bet, little buddy. And I picked him up and I plopped him right down in bed. And in 30 seconds, he was out. All was well in the world because my presence represented a sense of security. That security gave to him a sense of protection, even though he couldn't comprehend that it wasn't going to hurt him. All was calm for Jackson because he was in the presence of Papa. Don't leave the Lord out of the equation of your life. I gotta believe. I gotta believe that because Jesus was present with the disciples, that gave them courage to turn around and to start serving and doing what they were asked to do, even though they didn't have the resources in their basket. They saw how little they had, even though they knew the task was incredibly huge, because Jesus was with them and on his side. Bethany has been a recipient of Jesus being with them and on your side. And to you as an individual, you may be brand new at Bethany. I'm here to tell you Jesus is with you and on your side. Don't you ever forget that. And that's how we can handle situations in life when the task is overwhelming and our resources seem small. I'm going to ask the team if they'd come back here and just worship team. You know, I think too many people, both as a church and in life, have missed the method of sort of growing the way Jesus wants us to grow because we want everything in advance. We want to know where all the resources are going to come from. But that's not how Jesus builds his church, and that's not how really Jesus builds our life in terms of faith and development. So I thought about this message, and I thought about how I would relate it to Bethany there's a couple things that come to my mind. When you, when you look at this miracle that Jesus performed, you see his heart. And the heart of Jesus is this, don't ever turn people away. I mean, think about it. They could have recessed that meeting and, and everybody could have gone their own way, but Jesus said, no, what do we got? What do we got here? Okay, we got, we, we got a little lad's lunch. What do we got here? What do we got here? Well, we got one bus. All right, let's go pick up some kids with this one bus. You see, the heart of Jesus is this, don't ever turn people away. And I am so thankful that in the heart and in the DNA of Bethany, people still matter to God. This is a church that's always represented that people matter to God. When you look at this miracle, you, you really do see the nature of Jesus, don't you? <laughs> and the nature of Jesus is this, he can do a lot with a little. And Bethany is a living example of a God who's done quite a bit a lot with a little. Think about it in terms of the miracle. Five loaves, two fish, not enough. 
Five loaves, two fish, one Jesus, more than enough. And as a church, we've been a recipient of a more than enough God. As a family, we have been a recipient of a more than enough God. As an individual follower of Jesus, I am the product of a more than enough God because he can do a little. He can do a lot with what little we have. And finally, I want to speak to all the people who are here that call Bethany their home church. If the heart of Jesus is that people matter to God, we should have that be our heart. If the nature of Jesus is he can do a lot with a little, then let's bring to him what we have. But I leave you with this thought. The pattern that Jesus uses to build his kingdom involves us. It involves us. The success of Bethany is peppered with a lot of people who were faithful in doing what they did. You heard my sister make reference to a four-year-old teacher, a, a, a five-year-old teacher, my own self, Sunday school teachers, Royal Ranger commanders, board members, people who gave me my first job out on a farm. I, the pattern of Jesus is, hasn't changed. He wants to do a lot. And you think about it, he could have pulled off that miracle all by himself. In fact, he did it in the Old Testament. <laughs> he fed the children of Israel supernaturally, sent a manna from heaven, quail from heaven. And he, he, he could have just pulled it off all by himself, but he pulled his disciples together. He took a little lad's lunch. The insufficiency of a little lad's lunch, he blessed it and said, now go and do it. probably didn't mean a lot for a Jim Martin to help Dougie Clay build his Pinewood Derby car, but that act of a Royal Ranger commander helping a little boy build his Pinewood Derby car put me in a position to hear the Lord's voice for my life and to now be the leader of the world's largest Pentecostal movement. It's how the, it's how the kingdom works. It's how the kingdom works. And it's how God chooses to build his church. So Bethany, on this day that we celebrate 75 years past but look forward to the preferred future, you know what my prayer is for Bethany? I don't want the theme song for this church to be those were the days, my friend. I want the theme song for this church to be come and see what the Lord is doing in our midst. Come and rejoice that he is going to do it again like we sung about earlier. So thank you, Bethany, for 75 years of local and global worldwide ministry and effectiveness. And my prayer is, my prayer is that we'll roll up our sleeves and say, okay, God still wants to use individuals to shape the lives of individuals to discover what God's will and purpose is for their life. Hey, let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for so many different memories. I'm, I'm well aware, Lord, that uh, there are people in this congregation that have been on memory lane since the very first word of worship, since standing up here at the pulpit. They, they, they've, they've rehearsed a lot of things in their own mind. I know I have. I've recalled, Lord, uh, Vacation Bible schools. I've recalled, Lord, uh, bike-a-thons and youth trips and, and 
Cedar Point trips as a youth group. Oh Lord, my mind has been flooded today with a lot of how a local church put me in a position to understand your will and your purposes for my life. So I pray for two groups of people that are here this morning, Lord. For the first group of people, maybe, maybe there are some who are here today who've never come to the place in their spiritual life where they've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. God, in this gathering, I pray they would take one step closer to understanding your, full, your, your desired will for their life. Maybe they're here because... Uh, Ah, they, they know some people in the church or they had relatives in, in the past that were a part of this. But, but Lord, if there's anyone here who has never, who's never crossed that line from living for themselves to living as you being Savior and Lord of their life, then today, on the 75th anniversary, may they open their heart to you. In fact, I'm just going to ask you, Bethany, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If, if you're here this morning and I can include you in a final prayer, you would say, Pastor Clay, I don't, I don't live with the confidence that if I were to die today, I'd spend eternity in heaven. I don't live with this full assurance that I've been adopted into God's forever family. But today, I, I want to do that. I, I want to start living with that complete and that full assurance. If that describes you and I can include you in my final prayer, I want you just to raise your hand and look at me. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but... I just want you to know this church is all about helping you discover God's great love and plan for your life. And today would be a great day to cross that line from not really sure to, yeah, I'm sure I belong to the Lord. So if there's anyone here and you'd say, Pastor Clay, please include me in your final prayer. I don't know the Lord, but today I want to discover his love for my life. Just raise your hand and look at me while everybody else's head's bowed and eyes closed. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Yes, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Someone else join these three adults and say, Pastor Clay, please include me in your final prayer. This is so cool. Yep, thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. I promise you, you validate all of the effort and the energies that's been put into a 75 anniversary by today saying, hey, I don't want to just live for myself. I want to live as a Christ follower. Is there anyone else join these six adults who would say, please include me in your final prayer? cool, this is what I want to do. I want to lead us in a prayer. It's a prayer that maybe some of us have prayed an awful lot or a lot of times in times past, but today, today this prayer is for six individuals who are saying, you know what? I want to invite Christ into my life. Bethany, would you repeat this prayer after me? Lord Jesus, I do believe that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came from heaven to earth to die for my sins. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I invite you into my life and ask you to forgive me of my sins. Would you establish yourself as my Savior and my Lord? So with my mouth I confess and in my heart I believe that you are the way the truth, and the life. I accept your free gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, congratulations, 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 congratulations. Yeah, that's cool. Hallelujah. 
And for 75 years, this church has existed to see that happen. And their desire is to help you take steps to grow closer to your understanding of what God's purpose is for your life and what it's like to live without any regrets, what it's like to live knowing that you're a child of God. And uh, so, ah, very cool. Hey, stand together with me, please. I said there were two groups of people that I wanted to challenge in my final thought. Those were those who don't know the Lord. And there are those of you who are here today and you say, you know what, Bethany's my home church. I've been here through all of it. I've seen it all come and go. I know every one of those staff people that were up there and all that. Can I just say, I want to say thank you. The strength of this church isn't just dependent upon how charisma and how creative a pastor is. The power of this church and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is when the pulpit and the pew come together like this. It's when there's strength. Because honestly, and I love him and he'll be here in the second service, I can't remember a whole lot of the outlines and the sermons that Brother Leach preached. But I can remember his presence. Sorry, Brother Hodder and Mike Tidswell, I can't remember a lot of the Sunday school lessons was taught, but I can remember them. Can't remember all the lessons that Max Davis and Jim Martin taught in Royal Rangers Mr. Miller, but I remember them. And it's the them along with the pastor that created Bethany to be a place where I was able to discover God's will and God's plan for my life. So if you call Bethany your home, after these 75 years, now's not the time to sit back and say, well, we've arrived. Now's the time to roll up your sleeve and say, are there any more Dougie Clays in this church building that we can influence their life for the glory of God? So on behalf of our family, my life, thank you, Bethany, for being such a healthy local church that believes God and that the best is yet to come. God bless you.